Hello, this is Doug Wyatt, and I want to welcome you to our podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number 19. In this podcast, we want to discuss and to consider the concept, approach, and action of prayer. This may seem like a strange topic for discussion among scientific thinkers, but I believe it will be well understood by those who think about the intent, method, and use of prayer. This discussion, like our last podcast, is a result of questions and discussions with listeners of our previous podcast wanting to consider the concepts and actions more fully as scientific thinkers of Christians and Christianity. As a reminder, I am a PhD scientist, a geologist and geophysicist, published with patents, and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. Many of my friends and acquaintances in science, technology, engineering, and many others I have chatted with on various occasions have discussed their thoughts on Christ and Christianity, a creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with science. I understand and have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to merge, particularly in our modern technological world. Yet I know that many of you feel, sense, hear, a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider and to discuss that this is our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. Therefore, I offer this brief series of podcasts as a scientist and a Christian consideration of Christianity as a scientist and this is podcast number 19 considering prayer as a reminder this series was created during the global COVID-19 pandemic conditions such as we now experience only affect our bodies our physical selves enough affliction for sure but our spirits our souls our hearts and minds cannot be touched by a virus The topic in our podcast title was a question asked of me by one of our listeners. Often, non-physical or difficult to observe and objectively measure and therefore rationalize topics are tough to comprehend and analyze, very tough for scientific thinkers. We are stepping way, way out into conceptual thought when we do consider them, but I believe we can arrive at concepts that are meaningful beyond just our observational abilities. I believe we can sense, feel these thoughts as facts, as something real, and believe them just as we do those things we can physically observe and touch. I will try anyway. We have discussed many things in the first 18 podcasts and have often considered the relevance of the topics mentioned in the Bible. For example, everyone understands that the Bible mentions love, and this word and concept is found in well over 200 verses of the New Testament, plus is found often in the Old Testament. In this podcast, where we discuss and consider prayer, 
we know that it is a key concept for belief in Christians because the words pray, prayer, praying, and prayed are found in more than 145 verses in the New Testament and are a very significant and important topic. If you search for variation of the word pray in the Old Testament, you will find just as many thoughts about prayer and praying. The same is true for the concept of love. Those who love God and love others also pray. What does it mean to pray? Everybody has an idea of what praying might be, and many practice it in one form or another, religious or not. We have all heard long, boring, preachy prayers often given for the speaker's personal aggrandizement or to seem holy. You see a lot of these on TV. We have heard various people give prayers to elicit a pity or compassion response from us to them. We have heard and seen people pray loud in public places to force us to hear what they want to say, usually accusatory, political, or for personal gain. We have heard prayers repeated as a mantra over and over more as a physical action than a prayer. And hopefully, we have all heard honest, compassionate, and beseeching prayers where the one praying has opened their innermost self to talk with God. Jesus prayed. He prayed often. Given the truly short history recorded for his life, he really prayed a lot. There are at least 19 prayers recorded that Jesus prayed, not including the teaching prayer we use and often call the Lord's Prayer. In every prayer recorded that Jesus prayed, he addressed God as Father. Jesus claimed in some respects to be equal with God, but while he was human, he seemed to be completely dependent on a power higher than himself. This in itself is a validation point of what Christians believe, that Jesus was the Son of God who allowed himself to become human, mortal, as a sacrifice for us all. As a confession, for me, personally, I never really feel worthy of that. So what is prayer? The words used in the Bible, in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, Latin, English, have the same general meaning, a word which is both a concept and a thought process, understood for thousands of years. The word salutha means be totally covered as by leather, may be the oldest and is an interesting word. Tefillah, self-examine, contemplation. Precari means beg. Proscunio, deesis mean looks, looks, means look towards, to kiss, bow, serve, worship, venerate, show honor to. My butchering of these words aside, the context of the accumulated meaning is crystal clear. We are covered in a sense of self-contemplation and beg, bow towards God with our love, respect, and requests. We are covered in a sense of living a prayerful life, as if we are dressed in continual prayer. Scholars believe that all these words, in one manner or another, imply supplication, bowing, kneeling, homage, a humble human approach to our Creator, Father, God. So as a scientific thinker, how do I rationalize prayer? How do I accept the prayer concept? How do I actually pray? And given these three questions, 
what am I supposed to pray about? Let's address these four questions individually and then together. First, how do I rationalize prayer? That is, how do I conceive of it as a value concept, something with meaning, something that is an actual, functional communication process with cause and effect? Okay. To pray, there are two a priori assumptions you must make. One, that there is a being more powerful and wise who will listen, who you can communicate with, and who cares to respond. And two, that there is a part of yourself that has an ability to communicate with this being. Of course, we are talking about our Creator, Father, and our spirit, our soul, that part of us beyond the physical. But basically, this is a fundamental communication theory. In radio terminology, simplex transmission and reception. I hope you have listened to our first four podcasts to help you believe these a priori assumptions. If you are willing to accept, even consider these two assumptions as being valid and true, even if you are not completely sure, then you can rationalize giving prayer a try. You can pray. And we will talk about how in just a minute. And God will listen. Second, so even if we can rationalize prayer as a construct, how do we accept it as a concept? Something existent and something useful. That is, why doesn't a God who is supposedly loving and benevolent, omnipresent and omniscient, just fix my problems? That said, why do problems even exist? This question has been asked since there have been thinking humans. It has to do with the a priori assumptions we just made in answering our first question. If we have in us that bit of the divine, a soul, a spirit, then God has given us freedom of choice, free will to decide this or that. Basically, God gave us responsibility for what we choose to do. In all that has been humanly known or written about our Creator God, the I am that I am, it has been universally understood, sort of a part of whom we are, part of our essence, something we know encoded into our DNA, that the Creator God gave us free will, the ability to choose, and that His desire is that we choose to honor, respect, worship, love, communicate with, learn from him. It is because of this free will that harm, hate, anger, things we all consider bad exists. As we have talked about in earlier podcasts, the Bible clearly states, and most humans in history have understood, that we are not the only beings in this universe, all presumably having free will. And many who choose harmful actions and actions against the desires of God including us humans, cause much of the bad, harmful, negative, evil things experienced by humankind. Our other assumption above that there is a creator, father, God, who will, who will and can act from our request requires acceptance and faith, but to start with, mostly acceptance. I understand that many of us, as scientific thinkers, may accept superior, maybe even supreme beings as existing, but may not quite have that knowledge or feeling 
or believe in an all-encompassing active creator God. Our, our highest possible thought, as we mentioned in earlier podcasts, when we briefly discussed Anselm. That is okay. Faith comes with time, and acceptance and anticipation of communication and prayer can provide that time and a mechanism. Okay, as our third question, how do I actually pray? This is a simpler and easier to understand concept. We have examples and instructions. Jesus taught, promoted, and practiced prayer and privacy, something secret from others as a matter of routine. That is, he taught personal one-on-one prayer with God. We will come back to this. As in many cases, we learn from negative examples. There are negative examples of how not to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is cited as teaching. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus then gave us an example prayer, stating, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Short, simple, talking to God as our Father, praising him, beseeching and asking for his help, acknowledging our sin, that we are not perfect and need his help, and we need his protection from those things in the world that seek to harm us and separate us from God. As a note, this was a teaching prayer, an example. Some people think even a formula, but I believe that is not the intent of Jesus, but that it is an example. When you pray, you can insert your needs and concerns, declare your personal feeling, confess thoughts and things you have done counter to good, Sin. Ask forgiveness. Thank God for his forgiveness. Praise God as you desire. And open your heart, soul, and spirit fully and completely exposed to God. The rest will follow. Something else mentioned by Jesus in context with this teaching example is a fundamental learning moment. Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is a statement about praying, that it cannot be a one-way street. You must do what it is you are asking God to do. This is sometimes a very difficult thing to do. 
Okay, coming back to how Jesus gave us examples of how to pray, here are a couple of additional examples. In Matthew 14, we have this example. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Again, praying in private, one-on-one with God. In Matthew 26, we have an example, but also a setting with interesting human interactions. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Jesus' prayers, as recorded, were private and very heartfelt, short, simple, and to the point. By the way, This might have been the most difficult prayer ever prayed since Jesus, as a human, had to drink the cup of all human sin, past, present, and future, all negativity, hate, evil in all forms, take it upon himself, the Son of God reduced as a human and subject to death, the ultimate violent evil act against humanity, all while being the Son of God. to insert another thought here that is critical when we think about prayer. We can ask God for anything, but God will never force us or anybody to do anything against our free will or anybody else against their free will to do something for us. He wants us to choose to do what is right and good and to love him as he does everybody. He might provide insight, incentives, examples, opportunities, and, well, duh, moments, but he has never been known to force us to believe or do anything, no matter how good a person might be or how evil. Finally, we can rationalize prayer as a construct and concept and have an understanding of how we are best supposed to pray What do we want to pray about? The basic answer is anything since prayer is a discussion and a session between you and God. It is the attitude we approach God with that matters as we have discussed. However, as I have heard many godly people say, we should not approach God frivolously, casually, or with arrogance. We can explore other prayers and I will use a few New Testament examples. 
I encourage you to look for many other examples, many beautiful in the Old Testament, especially those of David or Daniel. I will read a few examples of things to pray about as recorded in the Bible. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul, as recorded in Romans 8, tells us his, this approach to praying, an example of what to pray for and how to pray. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There are many opinions of what wordless groans means, but we all have had the experience of having so much grief, confusion, sadness, ignorance, pain, suffering, all issues that cause us to be so dumbfounded by circumstances that we cannot think clearly because our emotions are so great. We basically groan not knowing what to ask about, speak about, pray about. We just know we need to pray about something and this is what this phrase means. Paul was not being obscure. He was stating an obvious experience. This is an Occam's razor answer. Paul demonstrates another approach to praying in Ephesians 6. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Praying in the Spirit with a variety of prayer requests and being alert to praying for what is needed. You will have personal things to pray for. Paul was encouraging us to be praying in the Spirit with a variety of prayer requests and being alert to praying for what is needed. You will have personal things to pray for. You will notice people of circumstances on the street, in your family, in your neighborhood, all that you can pray about. I have known people who routinely read the newspaper and prayed about the needs of those they read about. Prayer is just you talking to God. Peter, in his first letter, chapter 4, tells us this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Peter says we need to be alert of things needing prayer and of clear mind when we pray, not distracted or cloudy with outside thoughts. As a scientist, this is one of my greatest prayer weaknesses, clearing my mind to talk with God. And then James, in the fifth chapter of his letter, says about prayer, Therefore, confess your, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Many believe this is a universal statement about physical sickness. In a way, it is. But the sickness James is considering is mental, emotional, spiritual, as well as physical. 
It was a very tough time for Christians being persecuted, both by the Jews and the Romans. Pray for a healing from all of these issues, is what James was saying. In the Gospel of Mark, it is written, quoting Jesus as he was teaching, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? Jesus, very angry that the business of religion was dominant in the Jewish temple, was saying that all nations should pray and that the temple in Jerusalem was a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus was very much against the use of religion and prayer for personal gain, especially economic or monetary. Just a few weeks ago, in September of this year, Dr. Greg Francisco, a friend of mine and an Anglican priest, posted this on Facebook. When one enters into prayer, it is as if they are embarking upon a spiritual journey. Prayer is not simply about asking for things, but it is about entering into a communal relationship with our Creator, which draws us closer and strengthens the covenant bond between God and humanity. Sometimes prayer is experienced as if one is entering into the desert, abandoning the cloudiness of unnecessary distractions and becoming open to the voice and will of God. While prayer should be intentional, it should not be demanding, but rather it should be contemplative, purposeful, and centered on the sanctifying grace that directs us to God himself. Through prayer, we can become inspired and rest assured that our prayers will be answered according to our needs if we but only silence our lips and open our hearts and our minds, listening to the loving and life-giving voice of God. Give these words some thought and then pray. Silence your mind, open your heart, isolate yourself so that it is just you and God, and pray. Remember, eloquence and essay length are not required. Develop prayer as part of your lifestyle. Practice it and you will get better. You will be excited to hear from God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Considering Christianity as a Scientist podcast series. As scientific thinkers, we can evaluate our belief and through understanding develop a growing relationship with our Creator God. We can understand His history with mankind and the teaching of His Son, the Christ, to bring us closer to Him better our relationships with ourselves, and save us from those who would destroy us. Our next episode is coming soon. Thank you.